He had nose hairs that went down to the top of his lip. Ew! It was ew. revolting. And the whole time I'm talking, he's stroking his nose hair. Oh, gross. I swear to God. I swear on my mother's eye. He's stroking his nose hairs as though oh he was petting a cat. Gross. And when I was done, the next thing he does is stick out his hand and say, thank you. <gasps> Are you the type of person that listens in on other people's conversations in restaurants? Do you want to chat but don't feel like calling anyone right now? If so, you've come to the right place. Join us on Chat Buffet and listen in as two friends shoot the breeze. Chat Buffet, food for thought, not your belly. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi, Asha. Hello, minions. <laughs> Welcome to Chat Buffet. My, is my name Asha? If my uh, name is Asha, your name uh, is Joe. Well, that's, that's my that's my New York accent. Asha. Oh. <laughs> okay, Joe. I'll call what you Jose. Uh, <laughs> Let up, blood. Are we blood now? We're practically. Practically, yeah, yeah. We're going on to like close to the twentieth episode here. I think we're wow. practically blood. I know. I have to say, sensational. I talk to you, talk to you a lot more than my own wife. <laughs> I talk to you more than I talk to my husband in a whole week, probably. You, then you should probably have a podcast with him too. <laughs> so is that the trick to forming relationships? Just Absolutely. Say hey, hey, buddy, you want to have a podcast together? That's going to be the new pickup line. Honestly, I feel like I'm bonding with you. I've, <laughs> I've probably spoken to you more in the last couple of months than I had in the ten years I've known you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I have a question to ask you related to that, actually. Okay. So there's some people that I speak with on the phone that I feel like they have a residual effect on me in the, in the sense that after I've had a conversation with them, I feel like I'm always quoting something that I've talked about. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm talking to a friend, I'll say, oh, yeah, I was just talking to such and such. And, you know, we talked about that or something like that. That actually often happens in conversations that I've had with my mom and my sister. I'll have a, a talk with my sister and then I'll talk to somebody else and I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just talking to my sister about that, you know? With me, Wanda and I wind up walking the dog and I often say, you know, one of the topics that Asha brought up and that we were talking about was this. And what do you think about that? What do you, it just, Does it take off in conversation that way? Often. Yes, yes, yes. More often than not, she responds with, she said that? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, tell her to listen to the podcast. How about that? <laughs> I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make me <laughs> You know, in the olden days, instead of a podcast, though, if you were reading a newspaper, you know, sitting around on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. you would say, oh, I just read an article about such and such, or this came up, or whatever. And then that would end up being a conversation topic, right? Sure, sure. So I don't know. I think people nowadays, if they're reading the paper or reading however they choose to read their news source mm -hmm. online, generally, I don't think people buy newspapers as much anymore. Are they as apt to engage in a conversation regarding what they've read online versus if you were all sitting together and reading a paper? 
That's interesting. I remember actually sitting down and spreading the Sunday newspaper across the floor. The first thing I would always go for would be the comics. And it's not like, because I like comics. And no one really wanted to talk about the comics. It's kind of like, I want to experience that for myself or or I'm a grown person, what do I need comics for? And then we would, we would trade off different sections of, of the newspaper. There's a lot of, I just read this online. What do you think of this news article? What do you think of, of this approach, this recipe that I was looking at? So we, we share a lot because we're on a daily basis, we're always thirsty for something, some new piece of information, a tidbit, some trend. And we share it a lot. It's what we talk about. It's what you talk about. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is the same version of that. We were coupon clippers growing up, you know, so we'd get the Sunday paper with all those stacks and stacks of coupons. And one of the first things that we did when we got the paper was spread it all over the floor and everyone kind of pulled their sections. And then there was that whole stack of the coupon stuff that we'd go through. So that was like a whole process of a Sunday morning mm-hmm. routine, communal. having brunch and yeah, very communal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then it was the opportunity to talk about something that you either read. But I don't know if all families do that now. In Ricky's family, they used to get three or four different newspapers. Right. The local one, the state one, a national one, things like that. And they did the same thing. They were avid readers of the newspaper. I remember when I was working, I was working with this one guy that just had such an amazing command of the language Mm -hmm. he had his vocabulary was amazing somehow we got talking about that and he said when i was growing up even when i was very young my parents got the new york times and we all sat around and read it and if there was ever a word i didn't know there was a dictionary right there too Mm -hmm. and so my parents always encouraged us to just look up the word you know so that's how he built up his vocabulary that's pretty good. I didn't have the same experience, exactly the same experience, but I do remember trying to do my homework, trying to write something out. How do you spell, look it up. So there, yeah. was, <laughs> there wasn't that kind of affection there, you know? But, well, you can learn a lot from whether it's reading the paper or just practice writing. Another story that I remember is this guy that was very good at writing. He said that when I was growing up, because my mom was a single mom, raised three boys on her own, mm-hmm. and we were, we were always getting into something and getting in trouble. Her solution was discipline us, but she would always tell us that we had to write about what it was that we did and why we were sorry about it. With three boys always getting into trouble, we knew that a part of the punishment or the part of the discipline was going to be having to write maybe when they were kids, like a half, a few sentences. And then as they grew up, maybe it was a page. Maybe as they got into middle school, maybe it was like five pages. Mm. He turned out to be a great writer. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, single mom that told her boys that they had to write. I heard that when my boys were still young. I always told my boys, if you say you're sorry, you have to know why. And you have to be able to explain it. I don't want them to just give me sorry. A, 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 yeah, a blith little, I'm sorry, like you're just saying that to get me off your back. No, I want but, to know that you're really sorry and why you, you think you're sorry. And maybe but, there's something but, that I need to understand about what you were thinking. But it begs the question, what if they're not sorry? Well, then we have to come to terms on that, right? So we no. have to have that conversation. It's whether you're sorry, whether you want to explain what you did, whatever it might be. There's a problem if you're not sorry. <laughs> So that's your point of, as a parent, to be able to have that second level conversation. If it's not obvious to you why what you did was wrong, then we need to talk about that. Hmm. And if you think that you're still right, 
then yeah. we need to talk about that. <laughs> One way or another, we will not tolerate the fact that I think you're wrong and you, you think you're right. Well, I'm a parent. Yeah, as a parent, yeah, yeah. If they've done something wrong, then you know it's wrong. You have to be able to explain to them. But they need to understand and maybe they probably know it internally. For them to have to write it out makes them analyze what they've done. Hopefully, there's less likelihood of them repeating that same mistake or error. Did you have to do that often? No, not at all. Not only did I not have to do it, I don't know how strict I was about implementing that. I mean, yeah. I had all these visions and goals and you know, <laughs> doing all that stuff. You know, we we're talking about in one of the previous episodes about journal writing. And you said you like to journal when you go on vacation. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I like to do with the boys because we like to take extensive vacations. And when they're young, my fear is that, well, they're so young. Are they going to remember it? Are they going to appreciate it? You know, all those things. I used to actually give them like homework assignments before we went on a vacation. Like, let's say I'm going to make up something. We're going to the Grand Canyon or something. Yeah. All right. Well, look up the Grand Canyon. What is it known for? Why do people visit? Maybe look up something about the foliage there or the animals there or the weather there. If it's a new country, definitely all those things apply. The language that's spoken, you know, wh whatever you like to pick up a few topics and then at least know about it. In that way, they can get excited about it. They kind of know something about it. So there's some pre-work that they can do. And then when they go there, and if I knew exactly what we were going to be visiting, like if it was the Grand Canyon, then you can look up specifically the Grand Canyon so you have some facts about it. I could imagine a child looking at that thinking, God, what a killjoy. Can't we just, but it's the kind of stuff as adults we do normally. If we're going yeah, somewhere, sure. you want to know what are the highlights? What is there fun to do? But, but Joe, it's really not a killjoy if that's what they think that they have to do. Mm. They don't know. They don't think of it as a homework assignment. They just think that, oh, well, that's something that we're going to do. Yeah, it sounds like a book report to me, but or, or some sort of report that way. Well, you try and make school. it fun. I mean, I'm not going to grade them on it. So, you know, I might <laughs> look it up and ask them more questions about it. That's all. Like, oh, that's interesting, you know. So I do have a question for you. And I know you've worked in the corporate America environment, and so have mm -hmm. I. Whether it's corporate America or just friends that you might have, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm, you might say, what is that? Okay, so have you ever come across people that I consider shitsters oh that's a yiddish word Shit, isn't it shitsters not sh oh. shysters no shitsters stir no it's not yiddish because <laughs> there's a yiddish might, word that sounds a lot like no that. no it might be a word i just made up but yeah it's, it's uh. the type of so it's a type of person that just likes to get people riled up will come into a conversation and just say something kind of controversial I knew someone like that. I worked with a guy that, you know, you and I could be talking and then suddenly he would like walk over and then he would introduce some like office politics into the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a second. We were just having like a normal, good conversation. Everything was fine. You come in. He like, it's almost like he visually like drops a bomb and then he walks away. Wow. <laughs> and he seemed to like really enjoy doing that because you can almost see him smirk as he walked away. Yeah, I've known people who did that, but they weren't really conscious of it. So they would come over, inject themselves into a conversation that they had no part of. Or people who were always controversial, just for the sake of being argumentative, just to make as much trouble as they could, because that was their personality. I guess... I think these people are very conscientious of it, though. I don't think that's an unconscious behavior. I think that's that's their persona, or that's... They like doing that, or maybe they yeah. enjoy 
seeing the activity that happens in their wake kind of thing. So I'll give you another. That was just a person that I actually remember, and this is from years and years ago before social media. But now with social media, what I've noticed is on like things like Twitter, people will start a topic or mention something, and then they'll actually at the end of it say, okay, go. Basically saying, I'm going to drop a bomb here. I'm going to say something controversial. And then the okay go is, all right, now everybody else in the virtual world, go make your comments. Right. A lot of times it's done by people that are referred to as trolls who go around just uh, with an incendiary attitude just to make as much trouble as they can. And there's all kinds of things you can say on social media that you can say almost anything in anonymity and there's no consequence to that. But there is consequence because on some of the Facebook groups, where you have to to be a member, you either have to answer some questions or take some kind of screener or something right. like that, or they have rules about being in the within that group. And the reason I mentioned this topic is I thought it was interesting because they said specifically on this one group that I was joining, they said, and and no, okay, go. They they put it in quotes. <laughs> no, okay, go. Don't don't go in there and don't try and start a controversial topic and say okay, go. So they go. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> so don't say that. You know, it was just really interesting that they put that there. Just trying to generate a lot of virtual ink, so to speak. Online. Yeah. 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 And that's not <laughs> what they're about. So I think that's fair. I think whatever group that you're a part of, they have to have rules about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned to you on several podcasts that I do like to go hiking. So I'm a part of several hiking groups online. Generally, people are very supportive and they it's very informative as well. They always have rules about what kind of things you can share, not to be negative on there and not not to just be that shitster. You know, don't <laughs> don't say something controversial and just walk away. I used to belong to a motorcycle forum. It was for people who owned Kawasaki motorcycles, cruisers mm-hmm. like I did. Once in a while, we would get some guy who was a Harley owner. And nine times out of 10, they were looking for some reason to get offended because they were proud US-made Harley Davidson motorcycle owners. And they felt that anybody who bought anything else compromised. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. And it was hostile out of nowhere. They would just jump in and call us unpatriotic jerks and and well they're very loyalists harley davidson people are very loyal to that and, brand and rather intolerant at times i mean i'm sure there are many people i think it's a pride to- i think it's a pride because um there's a rolls royce club there's a mercedes club anything of like that status like they think of as a status becomes like a club I, I, I guess I, I just it seems ridiculous because uh, at the end of the day we were all bikers and we you know oh we, my god if if you were talking to a Harley person they probably said what do you mean we're all bikers no you're <laughs> not <laughs> unless but, you have a Harley you're not a biker <laughs> so it, with any hobby there's a level of immersion that can span the the whole spectrum. and there were guys who would spend thirty thousand dollars on a nice piece of chrome. And every year they would tack on maybe a hundred miles. And then there were the other, the other side of it, guys like myself who bought a motorcycle and they would ride it out to California and back or, or, or Wisconsin or Kentucky, which is something I did semi-regularly. I used to camp out on the, on the bike. And frankly, I rarely washed it. It wasn't an, 
I wasn't in love with the aesthetics of it. It was just well, a, you were definitely not a Harley type of person then. Although you were a biker, <laughs> there's a whole persona to that Harley thing. And in fact, I quite admire the company and um, the brand that they've been able to build up. There's actually a Harley uh, dealer that I went to just walk around, and their showrooms are amazing. Wow. Their showrooms are absolutely amazing. They have like a gift shop. They have, you know, all that chrome just shining. You don't even have to be a motorcycle enthusiast to just appreciate the beauty and the art of a Harley. It's a great you know? marketing company. And it is. I would also say that when I bought my motorcycle many years ago, Harley didn't make as good a motorcycle as they do today. The bike I own had a lot of features on it that wasn't available uh, on, in Harley. Harley has since caught up. I've ridden a couple and they've improved tremendously. Hey, speaking of technology and things that are improving uh, tremendously, I heard this report and it was from the University of Quebec, I believe, that says that um, science is working on this thing called a wearable arm, a wearable arm. So it's kind of like hydraulic generated strength. You're talking um, about a prosthetic. A prosthetic, but it actually has more motorized skills. Mm -hmm. It's a robotic limb. So well, would you ever be interested? I wonder like, okay, do you have to have, have to lose a limb to get that? Or is it something you can add to your regular arm? I don't Just know. Just to help mo motorizing. I can attach one to my back and, and pickpocket people. <laughs> like them. Would it be like an Iron Man kind of robot? Yeah, yeah. Where, can I get a repulsive? They said it's a hydraulic arm, and they use the term supernumerary, supernumerary robotic limbs. And it's actually the weight of a real arm. So I guess if you lost your arm and you needed another arm, instead of a regular prosthetic, you would get this wearable arm that... <laughs> <laughs> you know me, right? I'm, I'm laughing thinking, at you because thinking, I can see you like making these gestures and I'm just thinking body about, about all the possibilities of having an extra limb. You know? <laughs> why, why just an arm? But see, they didn't say it's an extra limb. You have to have lost a limb to replace that limb. Did they the specifically thing. say that? Well, I'm saying that because implied? why would they make it? It's the weight of a real arm because a prosthetic is, I would think, a lot lighter. I've often wondered about having extra limbs. <laughs> Is this something you dream of? <laughs> you have a desire to be like an octopus? You know how this is controlled? Does it pick up flinches in your arm or something? Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. It, it, yeah, may, yeah. it may pick up actual nerve uh, yep. sensors. Yep, yep, yep. Nerve impulses. Yep. And I imagine that uh, once you get it trained, your brain can just control the, the nerves that would have generated through your real arm yeah. into this wearable arm. That would be remarkable. I don't know. That might be something that's available within the like, next what like five ten years you think 20 years hmm. they're doing about. a lot in terms of prosthetics now i'm thinking and not to delve too heavily into the science of it but i would like to be around to see when they take a stem cell and they impart the information that now you have to grow into an arm and they can actually grow limbs back because you know stem cell courses are uh, unspecialized until right. until it gets that that uh, that programming to become anything you want it to be that would be really remarkable not only stop with limbs but organs of course Paranormal. so maybe do you think that that's a maybe not just stem cells but i'm thinking as you're talking as well 
you know, right now, if, as you get older, if you have problems with your knees, they say, oh, yeah, I'm going in for a knee replacement. Right. So they're actually surgically doing something to your knee to strengthen it, to reinforce it, whatever. But maybe instead of doing that, we do this like wearable thing where they're bypassing what you what is already weakened in your own body and re-strengthening it with a external device. Yeah, it's got to bear a load. Uh, yeah. Anything. So yeah. You're, if you're putting weight on it at all. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's something that's hurt. enhancing it or yeah. reinforcing it somehow. The thing is what they're doing now in terms of knee replacements works pretty well. And it's, have you had yeah. one done? No, me personally, no, but I know, I know people who have had it done and it, and it comes with a lot of rehabilitation, but basically they're going in, they're cutting in, mm -hmm. they're sawing off the mm -hmm. joint and they take an artificial titanium joint and they pound it into the hole where where it was on both sides. And then they sew you back up and Ooh. yeah, it sounds barbaric. But it, it works incredibly well. And from what I hear, people recover, I don't know, fairly quickly, right? From well, a knee if, replacement? No? Is that if wrong? You, if you're good with the rehab, you can be like 100% in four or five months. Wow. I have a friend that's a tennis player, and she had a knee replacement. Within a very short time, she was back on the courts. Wow. She's a really strong person. Like she, I, I think, strong-willed as well as strong-bodied. That's what it takes. Yeah. It takes yeah. discipline and it takes uh, tolerance to a little bit of pain. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of tolerance and pain, you know, we can't avoid this topic of what's going on right now with the pandemic and, and mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? I, I thought it was interesting. They're talking about the costs related to this pandemic. And, mm -hmm. you know, some of the costs are obvious, but maybe some of the costs are not so obvious that the economy is going to have to face because of the pandemic. So all these school buildings, all these office buildings, that are not being used like they were, they're not even, forget about 100%, they're probably not at 50 or 25 or 25%. My sister actually told me one time, because she's a, she works for the school administration, that she had to go in and they had to do a walk around of the building, of the school building. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was her or some other coworkers and her, they had to go around and actually flush toilets and stuff. So one of the consequences of all this stuff is that the plumbing is not being used in buildings. So one of the costs is there's a lot of bacteria that can build up in the plumbing if it's not being used. You have to go around flushing toilets, running the water, doing things like that. And when the kids get back into school, what's the situation going to be? There's bacteria that's growing in the, in the plumbing. When I go on vacation, a friend of mine told me, if you're going away for a long time, pour some bleach into the toilets. Because you come, you come back and that, those toilets can look kind of stanky. So that, that's kind of something you can do. But things don't sit well when they're not being used. Uh, I have to agree with you. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just kind of lost in thought a little bit about a career that I was ideally suited to, professional <laughs> I, I, I think I, well, I think I've been doing it all my life. <laughs> Most of my life. Professional toilet flusher? going back to topic will you uh, no i don't want to go back to topic actually it's like you you just brought up another memory for me i have two boys that are um like two years apart mm -hmm. and they both have very different personalities and when they were younger and getting toilet trained um <laughs> vikram the older one he would go into the bathroom and he was toilet trained so he would go and you know do his business and come out but he would forget to flush the toilet and so I would always, you know, joke to him and say, oh, you know, I know you got to go back in and flush the toilet. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My younger one, Monik, 
he heard me say that enough times that he would wait for Vikram to come out of the bathroom so he could run in and flush the toilet first. (laughs) (laughs) So I should tell him his first professional job was a toilet flusher. (laughs) I wonder if he remembers that. Oh, I remind him. (laughs) (laughs) Getting back to the school, there's all kinds of things. It goes without saying that they're running air conditioning throughout these schools now to to prevent mold buildup. They want to keep the humidity low. And if you've got a cool underutilized building sooner or later you're going to get varmints in it so there's someone uh. by they don't have much in the way of a food supply there without the kids being there and throwing their unused snacks under the desk that will probably have to be addressed as well and and a building just ages and needs regular maintenance oh yeah oh yeah not just schools but how about office buildings i don't know about you but when i worked in an office i had Half my drawers were filled with snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine, no. And, and let me tell you, if, if COVID came around and I was working in an office building, I wouldn't have picked that up. I would have just left it in the in the desk, you know. I would have said, no, this is not going to last for very long. I'll be right back. Yeah. I've had this conversation with Wanda before. It's like whenever I'm leaving a job, if I have a box that I'm taking to pack all my stuff, it's all filled with my snacks. <laughs> <laughs> So you could have waited out the pandemic at the office. Pretty much, pretty much. I could have lived there for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing I think that we don't consider is all the ramifications of having a virus that like this and lasting as long as it is, what that might mean. And I have another story. Like um, I had a car that wasn't operating very well and it wasn't as reliable and I didn't want to take any chances. So we got another car. So this car until I decided what I was going to do with it was just basically sitting outside. And it was in the summertime. It was really strange. Like within like a few months, there were bee, there was a beehive in there. Inside the car? Like in the door jam area. Wow. It had gotten in there and started building a hive. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And that's just a car sitting outside for, I don't know, maybe a little over a month. That's terrible. But I bet the honey was good. (laughs) <laughs> what kind of yeah, car I was it a, anyway it was an audi that's not funny I, I really loved my audi and i liked it and i didn't want to get rid of it that's why i probably kept it thinking oh i could still use that car but yeah. after it's sitting out there for a while um and then getting the that just that was like a deal breaker for me i'm like okay i'm getting rid of this car i actually have an audi convertible that i i wanted to love and it was just developing all kinds of problems. It's sitting in a parking lot a block away now. And oh, I think, no. Yeah, I think it's being inhabited by zombies or something. I, you better you better go check it out, you know. Bring your wife with you to protect you. <laughs> I haven't put that car on in about five months, at least. <gasps> Are you kidding? Yeah. I'm so disgusted with it. Every time I turn it on, it's another warning light, another sensor that blows. It's just... You know, I kind of felt the same way about this Audi. As much as I loved it when I first got it, it just ended up having so many issues with it. And there were repetitive issues. So it's like I went I went to the dealer. I got it fixed. And now it's happening again. I just got really frustrated with it. And, you know, honestly, I didn't even end up selling it. I ended up donating the car. It was in great condition on the outside. It looked like it was brand new on the inside. It looked like it was brand new. Yeah. I'm sure the guy that came to pick up the car for donation was probably thinking, like, you must be nuts, lady, to be <laughs> getting rid of this car. But I'm like, okay, take it. You know? I've spent thousands on this car. It has just been one disappointment after another. And I should have known that this was coming when the first week I drove it, a pipe came flinging down an I-95 <gasps> 
and, and I had the top down too, oh, but it God. bounced off the hood and crashed my, my windshield. And I was Ooh. thinking, this must be the universe telling me I don't deserve a cool car. <laughs> no, not like that at all. I took it very- Not like that at all. You took it for- <laughs> I have another question to ask you. I have, I guess, a lot of people that I've met that I think are, uh, then you then you kind of wonder like, hey, is this a normal thing or not? Have you ever met any people that are excessive sweaters that sweat excessively? Yeah, I have. I try not to get too <laughs> close to them. I don't know if I shared with you. So we were just talking about cars, right? So I was actually shopping for a car. The car I was driving is actually like, 14 years old. So mm -hmm. I've had it for a while and I was thinking, okay, I'll, I'll look for another car. So I go into this car dealer. It's a really, really hot day. We've had some hot days recently. I figured, well, I'm going to be in a cool showroom. It's going to be no problem. Well, the car he wanted to show me was outside. So we ended up going outside. He said, go ahead and sit in the driver's seat. So I sat in the driver's seat and because of COVID and everything, he couldn't actually come into the car with me, but he was just kind of like leaning over. The salesman was leaning over into the car. He leaned over into the car, and within a minute or two of the conversation, I saw a wet drop on the car seat on the passenger side. <gasps> I'm like, do I pretend like I didn't see it, or is that that's like disgusting? He's he's sweating. He's, he's dripping sweating on what might be your car. Yes, he's <laughs> dripping on it, dripping, now, and it's on the passenger side. And I had my handbag, and I was gonna put my handbag there. I was like, now he just sweated on it. I'm, oh my gosh. And I said, I probably wouldn't have done this a long time ago, but you know, hell with it. And I said, um, I think you just sweated on the car. <laughs> I said something to him and then he just took his hand and wiped it and smeared it all around. Oh, like, uh, oh God, he smeared this sweat all over. Did you buy that car? Hell no. <laughs> uh, really? Because of that? No, I mean, I wasn't, no, not, not just because of that, but. No, no. It yeah. was one of those cars that I was just really, I wanted to just investigate to see if it was something I would be interested in or not. But no, it wasn't a car I was interested in. People can be pretty oblivious about this kind of stuff. About personal oh, come habits. on. Listen. If you're sweating on something, he, he literally, it like plinked on the, on the leather seat when the sweat but, dropped but, off. But it was in the 90s that day, right? I mean, someone else is going to sweat on that seat no matter what car you get, you know, so. It's one thing, okay, if you if I just went out for a run and my body's sweating and I sit down, I guess it's just as gross if you leave like a sweat stain somewhere, but right. to have it like literally drip off your face and and hit the car and you're not saying anything, like he, I think he should have said something. I think he should have wiped it up and, and said something. So I think that's disgusting. He may not have known and it probably grossed you out more than most people. <laughs> Why? Why do you say that? You mean most people, as in men, wouldn't have cared? Because you're. I think you're, every single other slight, woman would have cared. You are a slight germaphobe, if you don't mind. I am that. not. Oh, sure. What are. makes you think I'm a germaphobe? You are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I, got, I, I so, want, to, want to share a quick story. I was uh, with my boss, and we were calling on a customer. We spent some time with him, and then my boss had to leave for a meeting, so I drove him over to the train station. And we're talking about this guy who I had to go back and see after I dropped my boss off. And he was talking about how unprofessional the place was, how, how slum-like, how everyone was in jeans and t-shirts and sneakers. And what about his nose hair? <gasps> I said, no kidding, isn't that disgusting? He had nose hairs 
that went down to the top of his lip. Ew, 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 ew. It was ew. revolting, revolting. Oh my God. You were telling me that you weren't grossed out by that? Were you grossed out? Oh, sure out? I was. Okay, so we all were, right. We were commiserating. Okay. I dropped my boss, dropped him off at the uh, train station. I went back to the office and I'm, I, I have to impart some information about what, what we were dealing with. And the whole time I'm talking through this 10 or 15 minute presentation, the guy is there with folded arms and he's stroking his nose hair. Oh, gross. I swear to God. I swear on my mother's eyes. He's stroking <sighs> his nose hairs as though oh he's petting a cat. Oh, gross, gross, gross. And when I was done, the next thing he does is stick out his hand and say, thank you. <gasps> Ooh, yike, yike, yikes. When you were talking about the nose hair, though, I was thinking about people that I've met that have long ear hair, hair coming out of their ears. I braid mine. Which, uh, which is very gross to me. Or someone that has like a really long eyebrow hair that yeah. kind of like sticks out. That's also very, very gross. Yeah. Ugh. I have to say I have I have like Andy Rooney eyebrows that, that as I get older, they start. Uh, I've got one that just points to Mecca, no matter which direction. I look. <laughs> so I have to take a weed whacker to it. Where do you come up with that? It points to Mecca. No, <laughs> no honestly. I mean, honestly, if, if I don't trim him back, I have to walk through doorways sideways. <laughs> I think that gets chalked right up with people that wear too much, like, cologne or perfume. Like, <laughs> do you not smell yourself? Like, why do you do that? Why oh, yeah. do you overdo that? Like, all that bodily stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> you got to do your manscaping. I got to do it. Got to do it. I worked in engineering for a long time. Uh, there was a guy I worked with on a project that just excessively sw sweated. I don't know if sweated is a word, but he sweated. Sweat. <laughs> he sweat. He's no sweat. He, I'm going to say sweated. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> mm. He sweated. It was hard to have um, to work on a project with him, just not knowing how he's going to end up sweating <laughs> and being gross. But here I am talking about other people. I got to, if, if anything, mention a story about myself. I went to play tennis one time, and mm -hmm. this is when I was first learning, and I had this shirt on that showed stains more than what I thought they should. Okay. <laughs> so I'm playing tennis, right? We decided to extend the play and take a little bit more contract time, but I had to go use the restroom. So I ran to the restroom, and I just, I think I was in the clinic, so I just finished with drills. Right. And then was going to take a restroom break and then go back on the courts to actually play a match. I went to the restroom. I looked at myself. Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. My, the sweat marks on that shirt were in the, in the worst positions. <laughs> they, it was, I was so, I was so embarrassed. But everybody sweats. Why would you be embarrassed by that? It wasn't just like armpit. It was like right around the front, like two circles right in the front. It was really, <laughs> really embarrassing. I'm thinking after the drill, we were talking about something like, oh, my God, I don't even know how the instructor was even looking at me. He must have been like, oh, gosh, <laughs> I felt so embarrassed by that. I'm like, OK, forget it. I think I'm not going to continue playing. I think I'm really busy and I got to leave now. <laughs> it's natural. I remember reading a uh, Dennis and Menace cartoon. He and Margaret were sitting around on a really hot day. Dennis says to Margaret, geez, Margaret, you're sweating. And Margaret says, Girls do not sweat, they glow. Girls glow, boys perspire, horses sweat. Interesting. And then Dennis says, well, Margaret, you're glowing like a horse. 
<laughs> that was a punchline. That was it, yeah. So you really did read the comics when you were younger. I remember Dennis the Menace. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was one of my favorite ones to read. Goes back a ways. It goes, yeah, I love Dennis the Menace. That was I a lot like, of fun. I uh, Dagwood and uh, Blondie. Was oh, Blondie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. I, uh, later on, I got into uh, Prince Valiant. I used to love Little Orphan Annie, oddly enough. Oh, see, I didn't read that now. Yeah. Um, I read comics and I, at the most, might giggle. I know people that read the comics and crack up. I'm, I'm talking like it's a belly laugh. Right. Have you have you belly laughed at a comic that you've oh, read? Often, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like I used to love Calvin and Hobbes. They would make me laugh. Herman had a great yeah. sense of humor on those one just one, one balloon cartoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you would actually have a belly laugh by it. Oh yeah. Not just like a giggle. No, I think. I think any good day has at least one or two belly laughs. You must know me. I think so too. I, no, I, I love the belly laugh. I absolutely love it, but I don't know if the cartoon can generate a belly laugh for me. It's well, usually I, just like a ha ha. I think of it as an, as an art form. I, I think of, because uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a cartoon artist, either a cartoon or a comic artist. And mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I thought it'd be a great way to make a living. And the hard part is of course, coming up with something funny every day. No, that would be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. But speaking of people that belly laugh versus just like kind of giggle, I think it's hysterical because my brother's family, when they watch movies as a family together, they literally, they, they belly laugh at, at movies, at, at shows, whatever. Yeah. And I, I think it's hysterical that they do that. I, I mean, it takes something that's, I don't know, got to be super funny for me to like actually have like a belly laugh. Now I do think like we talked about the Pink Panther the one time. Yeah. Now those movies do make me that that's a belly laugh type of They're thing. They're really funny. They uh, are I, really funny. A good episode of Seinfeld will do that for me. Oh my god, yes, absolutely. Absolutely Seinfeld. I'll never forget the first time I saw the episode where George told this girl that he was a marine biologist. <laughs> I remember that episode. And by the time <laughs> By the time he crawls on top of the whale and pulls out the golf ball, <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. I was on the floor, <laughs> floor. gasping for breath. I, I, was, I, I was screaming. I was laughing so hard. I mean, the, the whole way he prefaces the whole thing, it was a stormy evening. That's it was right. dark and cloudy. The, the but I told was her angry I was a, like, a, like an old Jewish man sending his yeah. seat back. Yeah. <laughs> You really do remember that episode. So obviously, Curb Your Enthusiasm is written by the same guy that writes Seinfeld. Larry David. Larry David. That's his name. Mm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is another series that it can really generate that belly laugh for you at times. It's just like it's so stupid, but it's so silly. And I've never seen you get it. To know the, oh, you got to watch it. Yeah. Look up Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'll go look. Oh, you're going to you're going to have a you're going to have a heyday. That's going to be your whole weekend if you start. If you like. Seinfeld, it's it's a little different take. Yeah. But start start with the beginning episodes if you can. Beginning seasons, I should say. Available on Netflix? It originally came out on HBO. Okay. So I don't know if they're um, only on HBO anymore or if they would be available on Netflix. This is I, good because we're on the verge of canceling our HBO subscription. Maybe we can binge watch before we do that. Yes, do that. Do that. Like I said, it originally came out. That's not to say that it's still available. I'm not sure about that. I am so sorry to say, Joe, that another serving of the chat buffet, I know, is over for Terrible. now. I could so <laughs> But it was great chatting with you, Joe. 
Great chatting with you, Ash. I look forward to speaking to you again. Talk to you again soon, Joe. Thanks for decompressing with us today. Remember to share the link with your friends and family and talk about these topics amongst yourselves. See you at the next chat buffet, a place where friendly conversation is served up on a regular basis.